This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, episode 174. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Block. Hey there, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Michael Blanc. I'm excited you're here to learn more about apartment building investing, the best way to become financially free with real estate. And oftentimes we talk about active investing. You know, how do you find deals? How do you analyze deals? How to raise money? But there's another great way to achieve the same goal of financial freedom, passive income, and that is passively investing. Today on the show, I have Ryan McKenna, a perfect example of someone who intentionally chose not to be active and chose a passive route because he enjoyed what he was doing and was making great money. He just needed a place to invest. And he realized stock market was not the place to do it. And so he talks about why that was. And he really thought about not only the stock market, but uh, also single family house investing and, and other mechanisms. Why is it that multifamily was the place for him to passively invest how did he get started with passive investing? What's important? How do you evaluate a strong operator? How much would you need to invest to quit your job? In other words, what are the possible returns you have? And we also talk about a couple of ways to actually increase the returns on your money dramatically and to accelerate the process. So really, really cool if you're interested in about passive investing and potentially are considering becoming more active as well, because Ryan chose to become more active here more recently, talks about how to do that. And it's not by finding deals and analyzing deals. So it's really, really cool way for if you're a high income earner or have some money to invest, this is definitely the episode for you. Hey, make sure you guys check in with me on social media, Instagram, I'm the Michael Blanc, also on Facebook, the Michael Blanc. Say hello on Instagram, give me a snap of what you're doing right now as you listen to this podcast love to see those it's actually kind of funny and then check out my private group called the apartment investor network just search on facebook apartment investor network and you got to answer a few questions to get in and uh, hopefully we can continue the discussion there as well so with that let's get into the interview with ryan mckenna here we go ryan welcome to the show today thank you michael glad to be here so super excited to talk to you because, heck, you, uh, you're financially free, but you did it by passively investing for the most part. And uh, I want to dig into that, right? Because a lot of people in your situation right now, and they're like, man, something's not right with the stock market. I, you know, I, I got to get out of this job. And so I want to really unpack kind of how you did it, you know? And so let's get, kind of go back from the beginning. First of all, when you started investing in real estate, how did that even get started because like I said, a lot of people, the only thing they know is to call their financial advisor and they then typically invest their money in mutual funds, ETFs and that kind of stuff. And something must have happened with you when you said, eh, you scratch your head and said, hey, maybe I'll try this other thing. Go back and you know rewind the clock a little bit. What was going on at the time? So I first learned about multifamily syndications actually when I was in college. So in the early 2000s, uh, I played baseball at Arizona State and a teammate of mine, his father was an apartment syndicator and he would come into town into Phoenix and would just be buying these large you know, apartments, two, 300 units. And I just always thought it was pretty fascinating and uh, got to talking with him one day about how he did it. And that's when he you know, shared you know, what a syndication was to me, you know, pooling a bunch of investors together that, you know, so they could purchase maybe a, an asset that they couldn't do on their own. And so I always thought it was really cool. It seemed very lucrative. And uh, it just kind of led me down this path of, you know, wanting to know more, wanting to explore more. And so I really got more involved in it towards the end of my sophomore year. I unfortunately was diagnosed with uh, ITP, a blood platelet disorder that really kind of ruined my baseball career. I mean, it was always a goal of mine to 
you know, give it a shot to try to play at the next level. And uh, always knew that I wanted to invest if I if I made <laughs> some good money uh, being a pro athlete. I always had this plan to invest it. But now here I was, you know, staring myself in the mirror, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with my life because um, I was, you know, in and out of hospitals for about six to seven months. And now my baseball career that I worked so hard for was gone. I mean, the doctors told me you'll never play again. And so it was at that time when I was laying in the hospital bed that I had to really think about my future. And, um, you know, I started, uh, you know, wanting to learn more about, you know, multifamily syndication and just investing in general. And that's when I first came across the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I, I just read that book and absolutely loved everything about it. It basically gave me a blueprint for, you know, achieving financial freedom and kind of laid it all out how to do it. And it was really intriguing to me to take, you know, your earned income and be able to invest that into, you know, passive investments and really get, you know, the tax benefits and uh, having your money work for you 24 seven. That was just really appealing to me. So again, that's kind of how I stumbled into it. And I guess it was bittersweet because obviously I wanted to go and pursue baseball, but I took that same passion, that same work ethic and discipline and told myself, I can't do it, you know, in baseball, I'm going to do it in the business world. And so that kind of led me down the path of going into, you know, the various business ventures I've had and ultimately ending up with uh, real estate syndication as being my main focus today. So interesting. So they got to you while you were still young, right? So yes. yeah, yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of cool, right? You don't have to deal with, you know, with other you know, preconceived notions about how to invest your money. And I think a lot of people really take a really passive stance to it. And I know I did before. I mean, I remember, you know, pulling money from my financial advisor. It was like the most, like, I'm going to now manage this all <laughs> by myself. I'm like, what qualifies me to do that? I felt I felt really strongly that real estate was the way to go, but still, who am I, right? There's this guy who's been doing this for 20 years, and here I am, you know, taking a lot of money from him, and he, of course, wasn't very happy about it, and I was felt very, very anxious about the whole idea of managing your own money, and I don't know why that is, because it's my money. Why yeah. shouldn't I be managing my money? Why should I let someone else manage my money? The only reason for that is because I think someone else can do a better job than I can, but after studying this, the truth is that no, they can't actually. They hardly ever beat the market consistently, right? And so yeah. it, it just puzzled me, right? Why are we delegating, outsourcing the management of money to others? And so you kind of maybe skipped a little bit through that. Now, one question I do have about you, Ryan, because because you were exposed to syndication early on, uh, a lot of people in your position would say, this is great. I'm going to be a syndicator. And they start looking for deals and raising money. You chose a different path. What, what did you decide to do after college and, and why? So uh, yeah, I did choose a different path and I always was interested in being a passive investor. So I wasn't necessarily excited to go out and try to find that deal. I wanted someone to bring the deal to me and I was going to be the investor. And so I went out into the business world, had various roles from sales to you know, working and running a you know, family business. And uh, it was always the goal of mine to make money, but then invest it wisely. And I knew my vehicle I was going to invest in was multifamily syndication. So over time, I was able to you know build up enough uh, investments. And uh, when the timing was right for me, I was able to start deploying it very quickly into these real estate syndications. So I like most, I, I did dabble in some single family rentals and and it was it was good experience because I kind of learned uh, you know what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it and uh, I'm the type of person that I don't like getting phone calls from people you know 
at all hours of the night and, you know, toilets broken or, you know, some need that, uh, you know, that you have to jump on right away. And so the passive uh, investing was really something that fit well with what I wanted to achieve, the financial freedom and, and give me the flexibility. So yeah, I went to work in the corporate world and um, on the side, I just had a few side hustles where I was generating some income and then that money went right into real estate investments. Yeah. So what about, so you said, talk about you dabble in single family house investments. You, I presume you bought something and you landlorded that. Uh, did you look at uh, single family house turnkeys at all? Because that's some people feel that that's super passive. Yeah, I didn't look into that. I mean, we did uh, more of the vacation rentals. So I was, you know, managing on VRBO and um, kind of like what Airbnb is like today. <laughs> I was doing that back in 2006 and and uh, and it, it, it was great. I really enjoyed it. We got to use the, the home as well, but it was a lot of, you know, dealing with the tenants and the property management. And it just, it wasn't passive to me. It was, it was, it was very active. And I felt like if I really wanted to scale, like what I read about in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I really wanted to get on that track, I had to move into multifamily. And so that's really where, you know, I started putting most of my capital back in 2016 into the multifamily syndications. Why did you decide to skip the active part of syndication? Now, I know we'll get to the story when you start becoming more active, but seriously, it's one of those things where you maybe you thought about it and you dismissed it. Why did you do that? So I did think about it, but to me, it was... I saw a different path. I mean, I, I enjoyed what I was doing in the corporate world and I was, I was doing well, I was making money. It just seemed like this was an easier way to just go find some great operating partners who have a, a you know, phenomenal track record. And, and to be honest, the, my teammate, his father was a, a syndicator. So I invested my first five deals with him. I just, I knew him, I trusted him and I kind of learned the business that way. So it was easy while I was working to just take, you know, some discretionary income or any investment income and just invest in these deals. So then I was still getting kind of the same benefit. Yes, I could have maybe gone out and syndicated my own deal, but then I would have walked away. And if I wasn't financially free at the time, it would have been tough to just walk away from everything and then try to start versus building it on the side while I still have a full-time job. To me, it's, it felt like I could just accelerate that because the more money I made, the more I could invest. And then now my other you know, investments were growing. And so I just felt like I could do it faster and better and be more diversified at the end of the day because I was able to get in, in many more deals than if I were to kind of just source my own deals. That's interesting. If you look at the return for the passive investor is actually really good, you know, versus the active one. Now, even if the active doesn't put any money in, the returns for the limited partners are really attractive. And you got you do have to ask yourself a question. Is it worth me becoming active? Right. Because, you know, maybe I can get more leverage and returns. I get the sweat equity if I'm the active one. But at what cost? Right. And so you, it sounds like you enjoyed what you were doing yeah. and you were making good money. And it was just much easier to continue doing what you're doing and just putting it away. And I, I think there's a lot of people that are in that situation. I mean, high income earners, they're doing well. They just need a place to get a, I mean, what was the, what was important to you, right? So you're making good money. You need a place to put your, you know, your investments and you looked at multifamily. Why did you like that from an investment perspective? Because you must have looked at other things. You must have looked at the stock market or oil or gold or something. What was it about multifamily that really appealed to you? So I looked at a lot of different things. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, I wanted to put my money in, in the best vehicle I felt I could to have that long-term kind of generational wealth. But also the passive income stream was very lucrative. And, and with multifamily, 
you know, it's not uncommon to earn, you know, eight, 9% cash on cash returns while your money is being invested or deployed into the deal and is, is, you know, increasing over time when you, you know, do those renovations. And so the equity was, you know, the upside is, is really nice. And then there's the very generous tax benefits that, you know, I looked at, you know, investing in the stock market, it was a roller coaster ride for me. It always has been. And just even long-term, I, I just was tired of earning, you know, 7% a year of my money when I knew that there were other ways that I could double or triple that very easily. And so I just eventually, I pulled my money <laughs> from my broker and, and put it mm. into a self-directed IRA because that's, you know, I wanted to manage it because I saw these opportunities. I wanted to be part of it. And then once I did my first investment, then I, I just, I saw a plan and a strategy. That's why I kept doing more and more. But I still today have not found an investment out there that compares to multifamily from the standpoint of the outsized risk-adjusted returns. I mean, we're targeting 16 to 20% annualized returns, which I think is phenomenal. And then you've got, you know, the 8% cash on cash return. You know, so I'm getting 8% of my money while it's in there. And it's in this tax efficient manner that I'm not paying any taxes because of depreciation. So that 8% is like earning 10 or 11% of my money. I've got the equity upside. I'm being protected, you know, with, from a tax liability standpoint. And it just, you do enough of these deals, then they, it starts to snowball over time because then usually the next phase of the deal is maybe a cash out refi. And so you're getting more capital back. And then I just redeploy that in there. And so it just kind of became this strategy over time that I just felt was a very solid vehicle. But the other thing that's attractive to it as well is that multifamily just in general, like in good times, I see it do very well. And then even in, in downturns, I mean, there's a demand for apartments, especially value add apartments. So I just felt like my money was safe. I, I was preserving my wealth, but yet growing at the same time. And I just, I knew at any point in time, I could lose 20, 30% in the stock market where I felt like the consistency and the reliability, the cash flow streams in the, in the multifamily deals I was investing in was very, very stable. I could count on that. And so that predictability was, was pretty important to me as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, the uncertain stock market is what really irks people about the stock market. They feel like they can't control it, which they can't. And it is up and down. You talked about consistent returns. You talked about uh, the risk profile of multifamily. And I agree with you. I think the way that multifamily performed in the last recession was extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, then you have the cash flow. Uh, you can't really get that in stocks unless you're selling puts and calls, uh, advanced strategies. And then the tax treatment is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you paid taxes on real estate income? Oh, it, it's a few years. And I'll tell you, all the syndicators I talked to out there, I mean, they haven't paid taxes in years just because of the investment vehicle and, and you know, the government rewards you for investing in real estate. And so those are some of the secret things I've learned that I'm like, you know, I knew at some point I wanted to do that when I had the capital. And so finally I've been able to, to do that. And, you know, I love sharing, you know, what I'm doing with others because other people showed me kind of the path and uh, I went down it and I'm very thankful that I did. So you talked about value-add deals, and we talked about the cash-and-cash return and the overall returns, and you mentioned on the side this thing about the refinance. Let's talk about that. I know you're invested in one of our deals, Country View, yep. the 321 in Memphis. Uh, one of our deals we did earlier on, bought it for uh, $6.8 put a million dollars of capital improvements into it, and then refinanced at $15 million, which was awesome, returned like 84% to the investor. Yeah. So what does that do to your returns? Like, How are you thinking about these refinances? it's a huge part of the, the strategy. And that deal was a great deal to be in because as an investor, after 13 months, the cash out refi and the cash on cash returns that I received while my money was in the deal, I basically got back 100% of my investment. So there is no risk going forward in that deal. And I hope it never sells because I'm just gonna have a cash flow stream indefinitely. But what I did is I took that 
you know, I put $50,000 into the deal. I took that money and I already reinvested it into another deal. So that one deal has now mm. created another passive income stream for me. And that's the beauty of a large cash out refi or when you do get, you know, the cash flow that comes back, the reinvestment of that to keep that, that velocity, that money moving in the same direction over time, it just really starts to snowball. So a lot of these deals, it might take, you know, 15, 18 months, maybe two years to get some of that significant capital back. But if you invest in enough deals over time and they're staggered, you're always going to have, you know, those sort of capital events coming back to you where you can just keep on redeploying. And the more money you put into these deals, the higher your cash flow is going to be because you're just kind of doubling down on your strategy with what you're doing. It's, it's really insane if you think about it. You take your, your $50,000, you get a 15% average annual return, you get it back in two, three years, and you invest in something else to get the 15. Now you're getting a 30% return on the same money. Yeah. Let another two or three go by, now you're getting 30 plus 15. You're getting, I mean, it's you yeah. do this, and people who have, like you have, and this is why it accelerates. It's not just a linear thing. It's like it's not like you need to keep putting more and more money into the bucket yeah. uh, because you're starting to recycle the money, and that's super exciting. And by the way, I discovered just the other day, you know, you do 1031 exchanges, which is hard to do in the syndication. But uh, we discovered this deferred sales trust vehicle, which is another tax deferred strategy. I don't know if you heard about this, but it will allow us to potentially tax defer in the syndication, which is cool, which means I can take 70% or whatever of the LPs, the limited partners, and we can do a tax deferred exchange and the other 30% can get a payout, for example. So really? I was always caught up. Oh my gosh, we how can we ever <laughs> defer our taxes? So we're going to figure out how to do that as well. That's really, I mean, really cool. That's awesome. And then another thing too that I just bring up when we're talking about taxes is, is the cost segregation studies that oh, yeah. I've seen. And then you've got the, the new bonus tax you know, depreciation where you can do basically 100% in year one. I mean, the K1s that I get, not only with the, just the normal straight line depreciation that offsets the cash flow, I mean, I'm getting significant paper losses on my investments, which if I don't need to use all that right now, I can just carry it forward to a day that maybe I hold it until we sell the property. And then it's kind of like my own built-in 1031 exchange. If we never do one, I have this that I can use. Yeah. And as yeah. I continue to keep investing, I just am creating more and more of those paper losses that I can use you know, at times when I need them. So the, the tax benefits go on and on. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. And you're right, there may not be a need to do a 1031 exchange at all. Yeah. Uh, really quick for someone who doesn't know, can you just describe bonus depreciation and cost segregation really quickly? Because this, this is really important and we don't normally talk about this stuff, but the benefit that we're talking about here is extraordinary. Sure, sure. So at a high level, uh, typically when you depreciate a, a commercial property like you know multifamily or apartment, it's usually straight line over 27 and a half years. But when you do cost segregation study, you're usually bringing in an accountant and an engineer, and they're going through and kind of looking at that property, and they're able to take components of that property and accelerate the depreciation over, say, seven years, five years, and in some cases, you know, all of it in the first year with the new tax law. And so that takes, you know, what would be a normal depreciation, which is a phenomenal benefit in real estate, and just accelerates it so you can have paper losses that amount to a significant portion to that initial investment amount that you put in the deal. And so investors are able to have these huge tax advantages up front that they can use to offset other you know, investment income or they can save it for a rainy day. And so that's kind of how that structure works. And I would say on most large apartment complexes that these types of studies are being done because of the benefit. 
Yeah, so you, let's say you invest $100,000, you get $10,000 in distributions. Your taxable loss might be like, I don't know, $50,000. Like you have this minus, this giant taxable loss. And so 10 of that, you have 40000 left. That's exactly what you're saying. But it's it's, it's amazing. And uh, yeah. again, it's something that you don't get uh, anywhere else except for oil to some degree as well. Well, I just saw at real estate, I think this past year, the first time it, it actually surpassed oil and gas for the it has. benefits, which is pretty cool. Very, pretty cool. Now, let's talk about kind of uh, passive investing. Uh, I think you you had the one benefit where you kind of stumbled upon this early age and you got to know uh, a syndicator early on. Now, since then, you've expanded. You've been investing with multiple operators. Kind of what is your what is your advice if someone says, oh, my gosh, this looks really interesting. How do they go about trying to place their money? So I would say, first off, reach out to someone else that's, that's maybe doing what, what you want to do and just learn from them because that's kind of what I did. I, I just, I got really close to other people that were doing these deals. I asked a lot of questions and then eventually it led to investment opportunities. One thing I would say that I really like about the, the real estate syndication space is that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of great operating partners that are putting good deals together. So me as a you know, full-time passive investor, I love the diversification. So I love not putting you know, all my eggs in one basket. I love being able to invest in multiple markets with different operating partners. So I feel like I'm you know, spreading out my risk and maybe increasing my overall returns by being able to invest in different markets. So I would say, you know, again, get close to people that are doing it, ask a lot of questions, listening to podcasts like you're, the one that we're on right now, I mean, is, is a phenomenal way for others to learn. It's how I learned too. I mean, not only reading books, but podcast videos that are out there. I mean, there's just so much that I think that people are willing to share. And if you just take the time to, to educate yourself and reach out and kind of be a fly on the wall, I think you'll be able to take advantage of some of these significant opportunities because I've found nothing but, you know, just a willingness from people in this ecosystem here, you know, the multifamily investing world that, you know, just want to help each other. We're all kind of in this together and it's fun to see us all grow because we're all kind of taking advantage of some great opportunities that I think I would say 99% of the population doesn't even know about. I would agree with that. And that's something that, you know, I know you want to change and I want to change because it's so exciting. Yeah. When you're talking to operators, you're evaluating operators. We'll talk about the deal itself. Uh, what are some of the things that you look for that you like and maybe things that you don't like about an operator? So before I typically look at the deal, I, I want to vet the operator and just, number one, know that I can trust them. You know, just character, integrity, reputation, very important to me. The communication style you know, if I feel like I'm getting kind of blown off or that just, it's kind of an indication of maybe that's how it's going to be, you know, investing with them. But if they really take the time to answer questions that I have, they can give me a, you know, comfort level. And then they also maybe have a track record experience to kind of go off of that I could look at as, Hey, this isn't their first rodeo. They, they've done this before. Yeah. I typically try to maybe talk with other investors or other people in the industry that might know uh, of them. And then after I've had that conversation and I've gotten to, you know, get my arms around, the operating partner, the business plan, and maybe the market that they're focused in on. Then when the deal comes, I feel like I'm in a better position to kind of analyze that to make sure that it's a good deal. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I see a lot of deals and I would say generally they're all within a percent or two, you know, projected return wise. So I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, what is the ability to this operating partner to execute on the business plan? Because the returns are, I mean, for the most part, they're similar, but it's the execution to me that matters most. Talk about a time when maybe the uh, returns were lower or didn't go according to plan, which sometimes happened, even sometimes to the best operators. You know, how have different operators uh, responded to maybe a bad situation? And is there anything you learned from that? 
Yeah. So I haven't personally had a deal that has, I guess, gone south or has not met, you know, expectations, but I've, I've heard of deals with some operating partners that I invest with that have had a situation or two where, you know, maybe they've had to hold off on that a quarterly distribution because there was some unforeseen, you know, catastrophe that happened and they just wanted to be smart about the cash flow. So they just kind of held back and they have every anticipation of getting caught up with the, the preferred return, which is another kind of real estate term here. But that's something that, you know, I think investors were kind of like, well, what's going to happen because that, you know, they can't pay this out. It's not that they didn't have the capital. They just wanted to be smart and, and kind of take a pause as they assess the situation. And so I think the sophisticated investors are going to understand this is a business you're investing and not everything's going to go right all the time. And when there is something that goes south, that it's the transparency. It's you want to know about it. You want to be communicated because then you feel like you're not left in the dark. So yeah, I've seen a lot of great opportunities out there. A lot of, you know, great projections, but I, I've also, you know, seen and heard where there's been some that maybe are a little underperforming, but I personally haven't experienced any of those. So I, I'm knocking on wood right now that we continue to be on that path. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's something you got to expect. I mean, if you're doing a lot of deals, I mean, me is, a, is just, I'll tell you my personal philosophy here. I've invested over 25 different real estate syndications. I'm just looking for a blended return of say 16% on my money. So I know I'm going to have some that are probably far exceed that. And, and a lot that'll probably, you know, come right in line with that. And if I have one or two that maybe are a little bit below that, well, you know, I'm still going to be in a really good position. So it kind of goes down to the diversification strategy where I invest in, in enough deals that, you know, I'm going to end up okay, you know, long-term with, uh, with that type of plan. Do you find like in this kind of market that uh, you need to reset some of the expectations with regards to returns or have the returns all, are the, are the deals you're investing in now still the same that they were say three, four years ago? I would say for the most part, I mean, there, there's a lot of similarities. I, I would say that I've seen some of the returns come down you know, a little bit or, you know, just baby being a little bit more conservative because we just, we've been in this, you know, this great cycle for so long, but it doesn't really concern me because when I look at these types of opportunities, I look at my opportunity costs. I mean, where else am I going to put my money that I can still get, you know, let's just say it's not 8%, maybe it's 7%, you know, on my money and, and a 15% return versus 18. I mean, I, I, with all the tax benefits, I just, I don't have another vehicle to kind of go put it in. So I'm in this for the, for the long haul. And I still see, you know, I know a lot of the operating partners I work with, it's like, yes, it's tougher to find you know, good deals right now, just with you know a lot of capital out there. But there's still there's still those opportunities. But I think that you know that what we'll hopefully see down the road is that if we do go through some sort of downturn or recession, that's when there's just great buying opportunities. And I think that's when people again are going to make a lot of money. So I just look at like I just want to be in the in the game. I want to be part of this and um, you know just have kind of a you know long term thoughtful strategy that I'm not going to get overly concerned if there's a time that we're going through and, and maybe the returns are slightly reduced from what we just went through because, you know, six, seven years ago, anyone in the industry probably could have made money putting deals together. And so, you know, where we are at this phase, I feel like if I'm with a, a good operator that has a, a great track record and, and, and can execute, I feel like my money is going to be relatively safe. How would you respond if someone says, hey, Brian, great, great stuff, but I'm really concerned about this, you know, a market correction down the road. If I invest some money right now and, you know, the crap hits the fan next year, maybe I should just wait on the sidelines and see what happens. How would you respond to that? So, I mean, you could wait around and that perfect opportunity might never ever come again. I just feel like for me, 
I did, you know, do some of that waiting, but it was more cautiously waiting and studying, but it was for me, I didn't have the money at the time or else I would have invested because part of this is about taking action too. And, but again, I go back to where else am I going to put my money and it can sit on the silent or if it sits in the bank account, I mean, that to me, long-term is even worse because with inflation, I'm going to lose money there. And uh, if it's in the stock market, you know, I could, I could significantly, you know, with the volatility, lose money over time. But yeah, everyone has their kind of own personal thought. But for me, I, I'd want my money in motion and I don't necessarily look at it like I'm going to save my money for the best opportunity that's going to come around because that's really hard to do to time it. And so I, I just prefer to have kind of a long, long-term strategy where each year I'm trying to put, you know, X amount of dollars into the market and into the real estate syndication market and uh, try to grow that way. And, and just know over time, I'm going to end up, you know, being in some good deals, capturing the market. And if I'm in a few that, Hey, they're struggling a little bit. I mean, it's just, it's just part of the, part of the deal, part of the, the reason that I'm you know committed to this because there's going to be ups and downs, but I'm banking on long-term that, this is still going to be one of the best investment opportunities that I'm going to invest in, in my lifetime. Yeah, one way to think about it, if your target you know, return is 15% and a market correction pushes it down to 10%, uh, again, with the tax benefits, you'd have to make, I don't know, 13% in the stock market minus fees, you have to make 14%. So it's almost like you're making 14%, even though you're only making 10% in the real estate market. So one thing I'll add to that too, is like the way I look at this as well is like, you know, my blended return, if I can target, you know, say 16%, I'm looking at like out of all the deals I invest in, if there's one or two that, that missed that target or, or the, you know, the pro forma with these deals being conservatively underwritten and, you know, a miss in the real estate syndication space, in my mind is like an eight to 12% return on your money. Which is still extraordinary. Which yeah, is, which that's is still point. better than the stock market. And like, that's like a bad deal. And I'm mm. like, at the end of the day, if you take a step back, that's actually still pretty solid return. So I think we're, we're, you know, that's where I look at it. I'm like, all right, well, what am I comparing it to? Because if you're kind of, you know, down on the, in the real estate market, it's like, well, are you down on it because you're not getting 18% like clockwork and it's easy and, you know, maybe you end up with 14, 15%. I mean, that's still a phenomenal return with the tax benefits. So that's why I'm still bullish long-term in this space, just because uh, again, I, I look at what else is out there and what I feel most comfortable. If we do go through a downturn, I'd rather have my capital into the multifamily because of the demand that ebbs and flows with the economy there. Yeah, that's a really good point. How would you advise someone to do some light math on this stuff? If someone's going, huh, this is really interesting stuff. Hey, maybe I want to get out of my medical partnership or law partnership or something like that. Like what kind of math can someone do in their head to try to figure out how much money would I need to invest and how long would it take? What kind of advice do you have for someone th making that thought, right, thinking that right now? So what I would say, this is something that I, I kind of look at as you know, just a simple way to kind of show someone, you know, over a five-year period, because that's typically the hold period for our deals, that if you were to say invest $100,000 a year for five years, so that's $500,000 you put into real estate syndications, and you did it, you know, two deals a year at 50,000, essentially you would have created a passive income stream of roughly $40,000 if you're getting 8% on your money. But then at the end of five years, you in theory are going to have a deal exit or a deal or two, you know, hypothetically. And then at that point, if you're targeting, you know, the 16 to 20% range, the, the goal in all these deals is to double your money in five years. Well, if you're able to do that, you, you know, you marry the gains and the profits on the equity, which again would be a hundred percent. So you could 
essentially have $100,000 coming in and then the 40,000 of passive income. So now you've over a five year period and not having to put in any more money created a passive income stream of roughly, you know, $140,000. So that's just kind of like big picture. Hmm. What I can see, you know, a lot of people, I see a lot of people doing it at a, you know, much more accelerated scale, but just to, to look at it from that standpoint, if you want to back into your passive income number, you know, a, a good rule of thumb is just, you know, take 8% as the, the cash on cash return and uh, kind of work from there. And, and then you can kind of figure out how much money you might need to invest. Um, but really, where it really gets fun is when you get into say year two or three, where you start having some of that capital come back through the cash out refinances, which you can model that, but you know, to make it simple, I would say, you know, if you double your money in five years with a hold and the cash flow, I mean, you could create a six figure income stream of, of passive income just by investing in these real estate syndications. So how is your life different now, Ryan, that you're kind of full-time gallivanting, investing in deals? <laughs> well, it's different from the, the sense I, I have a lot more time with my family. You know, I'm able to, I guess, live a, a lifestyle by design. I get to kind of wake up and do what I want when I want. And it's allowed me to spend, you know, all my time and energy into, you know, real estate syndication full time. So I'm not only you know, investing, but I'm helping others as well. And so I, I'm truly passionate about what I'm doing. I feel like uh, this is something I was, I was born to do. And I, I wake up every day and just pinch myself that I get to go out and work with other, you know, investors and entrepreneurs and spend time uh, trying to kind of spread the word on, the, on this great real estate syndication business that most people don't even know about. Yeah, I can tell you're really super about, uh, excited about it. And uh, so you, you decided to get become a little more active in the in the business. What are you What are you doing now? So I've I've syndicated or co-syndicated um, a lot of deals with uh, some of the operating partners that I'd been investing with uh, over time. And so I got really close to the GP and got a chance to work with them. And all while I was building out my own you know passive income streams, I had a lot of friends and family coworkers were like. Hey, I'm interested, you know, like, can I, you know, invest with you guys too? And so over time, it just became these opportunities where I was able to bring a lot of my investors into these deals. And so it's not only helped change their lives, but they're now seeing the same strategy, the same path that I went down and they're trying to recreate that for themselves. So that keeps me busy, you know, working really closely with the GP and, and my investor base. And so, yeah, it kind of, you know, created a whole nother business <laughs> for me that, that I truly enjoy. And so, um, so yeah, I, I keep pretty busy nowadays. Just to clarify, people who are th listening to this and they're thinking past investing is like, what the heck is Ryan talking about? So, uh, so GP is general partner. Can you talk about a little bit about what you're doing now above and beyond the past investing? What is a general partner and what are you doing within that partnership? So the general partnership is basically the partnership that puts together the deal, does everything, does all the heavy lifting. So if you're a passive investor, the GP is the one that you're investing your hard-earned money with, and they're the ones that are going to execute on that business plan. So by becoming part of the GP, I get to help them from anywhere from you know, looking at acquisitions, due diligence, to raising capital, to investor relations, to overall asset management. So there's a a variety of roles that I can play with them and I can help my investors get into some great opportunities through some relationships that I've formed. But yeah, being on the general partnership side is, is the, the syndication side that I truly enjoy because I get to be more actively involved in the deal. So not only do, you know, I passively invest in the deals, I get to play an active role as well. So kind of get the best of both worlds. And um, now that I have my, my time, I can, I can be more active into the passive investing space. Love it, Ryan. This is great. It gives a potential uh, path for some passive investors if they choose to do that, if they really love the business. How can people connect with you, Ryan? 
go to my website, it's McKennaCapital.com. I've got a lot of educational stuff there and uh, they can find me on any of the, the social sites uh, by just uh, heading to our, our website. That's gone. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate it. This is why I love this business is because there are so many ways to achieve the same result. And it's so broad that nearly anyone can get started with multifamily. You can get started as a deal finder. Okay. You got hustle. You're finding deals. You can get started as a capital raiser, kind of what Ryan was doing now, but it's only a recent phenomenon. You can get started as a syndicator, someone who does everything. You can get started as a passive investor. And I really love that. And um, and so the other thing I really love about that is is just the investment itself is so extraordinary, guys. And you listen to this stuff. If you either have money to invest in your IRA or in your stock, really consider pulling it out of whatever stocks and mutual funds you have because the volatility will crush your returns. The fees will crush your returns. The taxes will crush your returns and all those things is not the case in multifamily. So really take a hard look at that. In fact, I had, I just put out a, a special report where I kind of go deep on this stuff and I actually give you the math in case you need, if you're a numbers person, which in the case of investments, you should be. Uh, go to themichaelblank.com forward slash report and download that report and read it. It will open your mind about the true actual returns of the stock market. And we talked about it with, with Ryan. This report goes into much greater detail. So anyway, also, if you're a full-time passive investor, reach out to me. Go to my website, click on content, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. Say, hey, I'm a real-time, I'm a full-time passive investor because I'm looking for more people like Ryan to come on the podcast and tell the story because it's so powerful. And again, it, it will change your life if you're in that kind of ability to earn money and you're looking for a consistent return with great tax benefits. So again, check out that free report. Spend some time on it. It's a really cool report. TheMichaelBlanc.com forward slash report. If you're ready to potentially invest with us, you can join our investment club, the Nighthawk Investor Club. So go to NighthawkEquity.com and click on the join button and you can uh, schedule a call with us and we'll see if it's right for you to invest with us. And we're constantly having uh, deals. So we have one active deal or another. So we'd love to touch base with you. All right, guys, that's it. Appreciate you uh, listening, watching here, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.